Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. So we're going to do 50 action points that are in the book of Philippians. As we go through these, if you have a paper or if you have a cell phone where you can start a note to yourself, remember the passage of Scripture in Philippians that you are not doing well. Just mark down the passage. And this week you can start working on those action points. You know, a lot of people say we're not under the law, and that's true, yet Jesus said all the laws summed up with what? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, but these action points go beyond that to bring us to Christian maturity, mature, really, people in Christ. So the first one, let's just go through them really quick. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And it says, allow God to finish his work in you. And it says this, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. I want you to know this. We are under construction. If anyone thinks they've arrived, they've reached that plateau of Christian maturity and they can't grow anymore, they're deceiving themselves. But God will complete the work that he started in you. It's like sometimes we strive in the flesh to do it in our own physical ability, but God supernaturally engages our spirit. He reveals himself to, to us, and as he does, he transforms us and gifts us and, and gives us things that we couldn't do apart from God. So uh, the first thing, allow God to finish his work. Philippians chapter 1, verse 8, number 2. Love one another with real affection. It says this, For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. You know, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. Well, God is love. Jesus loved with a perfect love. Folks, we need to be loving like that. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if you want to know an action point list on how to, how to really love because that's the best definition of love. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9. Study the word of God and have real knowledge. And here's the quote. In real knowledge and all discernment, you get that by studying God's word, by asking God to give you discernment in all things. Philippians chapter 1, verse 10. Prove, literally in the Greek, that means analyze, examine, test, and then approve sound doctrine and Christian character and those claiming the name of Christ. And the quote is, so that you may approve the things that are excellent or beautiful or true. You know, there's a lot of religions in the world, but there's one almighty God. And he has revealed himself through the word of God in a powerful way. We start walking our walk, and talking our, walking our talk, <laughs> talking our walk. What am I trying to say? Uh, we, what we say, we need to do. Does that make sense? 
It's like a lot of Christians say, well, you need to do this and don't do that and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's really becoming who God wants you to be. And that's a loving person that studies to show himself approved, him or her approved by God. Philippians chapter 1, verse 11. Be filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. How are you doing with that? Do all things, not to be self-righteous, but to bring glory to God. That's Philippians 1.12. Know that your circumstances are set up. God has set up where you're at in life right now. And even though the enemy will come against you and try to destroy your marriage or relationships with your children or your parents or good Christian friends, whatever circumstances you're in, what the enemy has meant for your bad and destruction, God can change to your growth in the Lord. In fact, Paul said in Philippians 1.12, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, and when he wrote this, remember this is a prison epistle. Paul was in a Roman prison, probably under house arrest. The Praetorian guard themselves, the high guard of Caesar, were guarding Paul. In fact, Paul led many to, to Christ. At the end of Philippians, he goes, especially those of Caesar's household, believers that are with me, they greet you. How did the Caesar's household get saved? By the Praetorians that were guarding Paul because they guarded Caesar's household. So they brought the gospel of Christ. And it was Nero who was Caesar. He's the one that began killing Christians. He probably got tired of his children and wife being converted and becoming Christians. He's like, man, this Christian faith, I've got to put it out once and for all. Know that my circumstances, Paul said, Philippians 1.12, Brethren have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. I want you to know that if we are focused on building our kingdom on this world, we will find frustration, we will find anxiety, worry. It will be a, a, a hard, hard life. But if we're building God's kingdom, if ambassadors are home, which is in heaven, remember. The Bible says we are strangers and aliens on this planet. When we become born again, old things are passed away. The Bible says all things become new. We become a new creation in Christ, the Bible says. So our home now is heaven. The perfect place in God's glorious third heaven where we will spend, not eternity, but only a few years after the rapture. And then we return to this earth with Christ and reign with him for a thousand years. But God has turned all these horrible circumstances in your life, he can turn them out for your good. Philippians chapter 1, verse 14. Find a good role model to build you up so that you may have more courage to share the gospel without fear. And Paul wrote this. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God Without fear, we should always be challenging people and discipling people to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting world. Philippians 1.17, preach the gospel out of selfless, real love and concern for those that you speak to. And Paul wrote, 
The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than pure motives, but you need to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ in, in real love to those around you. Philippians 1.18, rejoice when Christ is proclaimed. Paul wrote, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. You know, the book of Philippians is all about joy in Christ. Joy in the Lord. It's the number one quality that we should have as believers. Yet so many Christians, all they have is judgmental attitudes. They're unloving. They're judgmental. They're, they're bitter. Many Christians don't have the joy of the Lord. You know, Isaiah wrote that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Because despite our circumstances, we have a supernatural peace and a supernatural joy that only comes from God through His Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that peace, like the balm of Gilead that just soothes your soul and refreshes your spirit? You know, for me, I find that most often when I'm by myself worshiping God, just communing with God, and I feel His Holy Spirit envelop me in God's love and give me strength and peace. If you've never felt that, I want you to know that joy is an experience, not an attitude. Joy is something you feel, you can't really make it happen. Especially the joy that comes from the Lord. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Live your life in such a way that Christ is exalted in your life and even in your death. Live your life so that people, when they see the good, loving things that you do, they realize that's because Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit fills you. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And so they see God's love and light they see the glow you know has anyone ever said what's different about you there's something different about you man you've got this joy this childlike faith in your heart what kind of drugs are you taking <laughs> people ask me that all the time and it's like wow i am kind of dingy i know it but you know <laughs> it, it's like no that's the holy spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I don't care what my circumstances are. I can have a supernatural strength and peace. So Paul wrote in Philippians 1.20, According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. No matter what, when we die, we don't fear death. We know we're going to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Have an eternal perspective. Know that the trials and, and difficulties you're experiencing right now are temporary. This too shall pass. We have one battle. We get respite. We get a, a season of refreshment. And believe me, another battle is coming. Another storm is on the horizon. 
Life, in fact, Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. You will have one trial after another. And the older you get, all of a sudden you'll get aches and pains in your body. And your hair turns this white color. And you get wrinkles and weird spots. And, uh, you know, in life we have tribulation. But you can have strength and joy supernaturally from God in the midst of whatever you experience. Philippians 1.21, Paul said, For me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. Folks, we know we're going to heaven. When we die in heaven, the Bible says it is, we can't even fathom with our natural minds how awesome heaven is. You know, I wanted to be a scientist, and I was on that path, had a full ride scholarship, and I had an encounter with God, and I was caught up to the throne of God pacing before God, and he was trying to call me to be a pastor. And I'm pacing before the throne of God. So for me, it's kind of like when people say, well, I hope heaven's real. It's like I've been there. In my spirit, I've seen it. That's how I was called to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. I told God I'm too wild and crazy. I told God I rice motocross. I'm I'm I, I can't public speak and I can't. If you notice sometimes I shake when I come to this pulpit. I can't public speak. So I told God ten reasons. I was very logical and analytical, and I wasn't even shocked that I was pacing before God in heaven in the spirit. And I paced and I said, God, I can't public speak. And I gave him 10 reasons. All of a sudden, I'm back in this youth rally. And that night, there was an all-night party for our senior class. And we were going to have keggers. And I was going to drink beer and just party it up that night. My parents said, yeah, to go to the youth rally before you go to the party. I was so mad. So we sat in the back. I didn't even hear the message, but he said, I know God is calling some of you to be pastors. And a few kids went up, and I said, all right, let's sneak out. And then he said, he started praying for him, and he goes back to the pulpit, and he goes, I really feel compelled, like there's one more person out there. And sarcastically, I said, God, whoever that is, convict them right now so I can get to the party. And it was like a bell, like a gong shook me, and it wasn't audible, it was an original thought stream, it's you. And I'm like, There's, it's no way, no way it's me. And I began to argue with that feeling, that thought, and that's when I was literally caught up to the throne of God, pacing before him, given ten reasons why I can't be a pastor. Next thing I know, I'm back in the service, and the guy at the front, there were probably like 200 and plus uh, high school kids there. I'm like, what is going on? What, what? And he answered all 10 reasons. And the big one was, it doesn't matter if you can public speak or not. When you get to the pulpit and, and allow God to use you, he will speak through you. And I can assure you, when I get here, I am shaking. I am scared to death. But once I start walking in faith, God starts speaking through me. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. I've seen it. 
It's amazing. Philippians 1.22. Know that while we live, we live for God and building his church. And Paul wrote this in Philippians 1.22. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Folks, all of us as born-again believers should be connected to a church and should be building the body of Christ. Building the body of Christ in a powerful, amazing way. To live is Christ, to serve the Lord and build up the church. Philippians 1.27, the next one, know the great price Jesus paid for you and live your life in a manner worthy of that great price. And Paul wrote, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, the way I see it is I want to live my life in a way that I'm pleasing my heavenly father. That he looks at my life and says, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, every decision we make, the number one criteria should be, Lord, will this please you? Will this bring glory and honor to you if I do this? If you do that, you will be blessed. You will feel the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life. We need to stand firm together by the power of the Holy Spirit so that Paul Paul wrote, whether I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and complete unity we need to contend for the truth that's right doctrine intellectually the next the next part of that verse with one mind striving together for the faith and faith is belief plus proof it's not a blind leap many people say that that's from Kierkegaard it's not from the Bible in fact the Bible says faith is the evidence of things not seen the word evidence in the Greek is evidence that would lead to a conviction in the Senate or a court of law back in Rome we need to contend for the truth intellectually that's why we study the Word of God Philippians 1 know that some will disagree with sound doctrine but don't let them get to you and here's what he wrote in Philippians 1 28 in no way be alarmed by your opponents which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you. And that too from God. Philippians 1.29, as you stand for truth, you will be persecuted for his sake. And Paul wrote, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You know, Jesus said in the last days, you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. Are you ready to endure to the end, to suffer for the sake of the gospel? Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. It says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit. We need to so be bound. Yeah, watch that green beetle. You know, I hear it's luck if they land on you. I don't know where it went, but it went down right there. Here's the weird thing. A lot of my visits are patio visits at Borden Cares. And literally, I'll be doggone, I'm doing a church service, and the residents are inside. They gather them all. And, uh, you know, I'm reading Bible verses, and I start singing hymns. Um, 
And a green beetle almost always buzzes me. I think they're attracted to my white hair. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Oh, yeah, I was chasing you there. It's, it's still flying. Woo, look at that thing. I, I think it's in Japan. That's considered real good luck. He, he loves you guys. He's buzzing you. Okay. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Okay, here we go. Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. We should do everything out of love. Love for God and love for our neighbor. You know, we don't share the gospel with people trying to rack up another convert. We share it because it's good news. Hey, you want to know what? There's a God that you're going to stand before one day and all your motives and every idle word and every deed that you did, he is going to judge that. But you know what? He's made a way. If you believe in Christ that he died on the cross and already paid for all your mistakes and sins, he's going to come in you and when God sees you, he's going to see Christ's righteousness imputed to you. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But those that don't have Christ, they are going to face that judgment and it is going to be horrific. That's why it's good news. All we do is share it with them. You don't have to convince people. This man, this is great news. You're going to stand before God. And then if they ask, be ready to have an answer. You need to put your halo on. You got your halo ready? That's have answers logically organized. When people ask you about the triune God, the Trinity, do you have your answers logically organized? Do you know how to give an answer for that? If you don't, email me. I'll give you some good stuff. But we need to be ready to give an answer for the faith, to contend earnestly for the faith. Philippians 2.4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. How are you doing on that? In America, most people, their philosophy has been look out for what? Number one. Hey man, I, I'm looking at myself. I'm not my brother's keeper. Guess what? We are our brother's and sister's keeper. The more I can assure you this, God's economy is really weird. The more you give, the more he sows into you and blesses you. The more you give to others, the more you love the unlovable, the more you love on others and demonstrate God's love to them, the more you experience God's love and peace in your life. It's like a, 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 a lake with a river running into it and running out. The more that goes out, the more is able to come in for some reason in God's economy, even financially and always. Philippians 2.5, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, verse 6, who although he existed in the form of God, note this, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. They coexisted. Uh, for eternity past, co-equal. But taking the form of a bondservant and being made into the likeness of man, he emptied himself of all those divine attributes and lived a life on earth as a man. Of course, he was tempted in all things, Hebrews chapter 4, yet without sin. And that's why the Bible says we have a high priest in heaven, Jesus Christ, the one mediator between God and man 
who cannot sympathize or who can sympathize with your weaknesses and trials and tests because he was tried in all things just as you are yet without sin. Philippians 2.12. And by the way, the rest of that verse is, Therefore, enter the throne of grace with confidence so that you might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Philippians 2.12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, in this age of easy believism, of cheap grace, of, oh, no transformation needs to take place in you. Just put your faith in Christ, you're good to go. Just keep living the way you've always lived. Selfish, arrogant, unkind, unloving. No. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? We are not working for our salvation. I want you to know that. We are saved simply through faith in Jesus Christ. So that is true. But beyond that, we grow to maturity. And a mature believer will be the most loving person you will ever meet. They will be kind and loving. You will see Christ in them. The next one, Philippians 2.13. Realize that, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I love that. You know, as you surrender yourself to Christ, and his Holy Spirit fills your, your, your soul, and, and literally God's Spirit becomes part of who you are and begins to transform you, all of a sudden you begin loving the unlovable, and in your flesh you can't do it. You know, I'm just like you. If we have a bad neighbor or someone cuts me off, my first response is I want to point him to Jesus with the wrong finger. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I immediately, the Holy Spirit, like, grabs me. And it's like, Lord, wh wh whatever they're in a hurry for, Lord, protect them and draw them to you. Pray for your enemies. When you do that, all of a sudden, God does an amazing work in you. And rather than being angry and bitter, you're filled with peace. You rise above the, the, the fight, you know, the wallowing in the mud with people of the world. We, like, float above that when we love and forgive, when we pray. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. How you doing with that one? You know, I, I grew up in the church, and all I remember as a young child, a lot of those people, well, it's been a hard week, brother, but I'm making it. I'm, I'm keeping the faith. No joy. You know, no childlike faith. And they love to grumble. Well, I'm going, uh, it's just hard, it's hard, it's hard. I remember prayer meeting. We'd have prayer meeting Tuesday nights, and everybody would go up and take their turn, and, and they would all just grumble. <laughs> Do all things without grumbling or disputing. We should be 
positive. We know the creator of the universe. He wrote our DNA code. He knows us. He knows how many hair are on our head. He knows our bodies. He knows everything about us, and yet he loves us and expects us to love others. When we have bad circumstances, what does the Bible say? Count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that they're there for your growth. They're there to get you back on course. It could be discipline. It could be battle from the enemy. Or it could be just living in a fallen world. But I do know this. In the midst of it, God gives you strength and peace and the ability to rise above all the garbage that this world throws at you. To float above it. Mm, I love it. All right, so Philippians 2.15. What time is it? Oh, we've got 10 minutes or so, so we're good. Be lights to a world. Glow. Man, shine forth the love and light of God. And it says this so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights to the world. I love that. You know, if you've ever been in pitch black darkness without a flashlight and no light, you can't do much. I mean, you're essentially stumbling about. You know, we used to go backpacking. One time, it was a cloud cover, and it was pitch black. I remember you couldn't even see your hand. And I had to go to the bathroom. I couldn't find my flashlight in the tent. And so I, I, I literally said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk 30 steps this way. And then I'll just keep facing that way, turn around, and walk 30 steps back to my tent. I couldn't find the tent. <laughs> I had to wake up the whole camp so someone with a flashlight could help me. Crazy. Hey, you're a light to a dark and hurting world. Let's demonstrate the light and love of God to those that we meet. Philippians 2.16, hold tight to the truth. And he wrote this, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ, that's when the rapture occurs, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. Philippians 3.1, Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is no trouble to me, and it's a safeguard to you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Remember, the book of Philippians is all about rejoicing and joy. Uh, next week when we get into chapter 4, this has to be one of my favorite passages. Paul is going to give us the secret on how to be content no matter what circumstances we're in. He's going to tell us exactly what to do. He's going to tell us what we should meditate on. Remember, meditation isn't trying to find nirvana. That's, that's Easter med meditation. What are they trying to do? Empty their minds so they don't think about anything. No, meditation is thinking about good things. And Paul's going to tell us next week in Philippians chapter 4, whatever's good, whatever's beautiful and lovely and true and right and honorable and of good report, meditate on these things. You know, what you think about becomes kind of who you become. 
what you meditate on, what you focus on, if it's on the Word of God, you're going to become more like Christ. Okay, we're doing good. Philippians 3.2 Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Those are legalists in the church. Now, here's the difference. We are saved simply by faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. You're going to go to heaven. But your works will still be judged. And at the Bema seat of Christ, that's the reward seat, your works are either going to burn up, and for eternity you're going to have wood, hay, and stubble. Won't that be great? (laughs) Or they're going to be refined, and you'll have gold and precious stones. Okay, all of that is allegorical. But it's the good things you do not uh, selflessly, the good things you do selflessly right now for God's glory, that's somehow going to do something in eternity. Somehow it's going to be affected by that. You're still saved simply by faith. But we work out our salvation so that even as Paul says, my joy, my crown, all of that, we don't get a literal crown, and, and we'll talk about that one day. I know some people think we do. We get the crown of righteousness. That's who we are positionally, imputed by, by Christ. Uh, we get the crown of life. That's eternal life. We get all these crowns, but they're not literal crowns. And, and if you do a study on that, you can find it. All right, Philippians 3.3. 3, Put no confidence in the flesh, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. So we don't walk around and say, look at me, man. I, I've, I am a pretty darn good Christian. (laughs) It says, wow, man, Jesus in me, the Holy Spirit in me, even though I wanted to cuss that guy out, I just said, God bless you and prayed for him. You know, even though I wanted to respond in the flesh, I responded with peace and joy and love. That wasn't me. That was Christ in me. You know, I try every good thing I do, and as a chaplain, I get it all the time, families or whatever, wow, thank, oh, wow, you're, whoa. I'm like, that's Christ in me. If you knew me, fleshly Brett, you would hate me. But transformed Brett, filled with the Holy Spirit, I do things, I just like, it's like an out-of-body experience. Whoa, I can't believe I, I just, that, thank you, God. That's God in me. That's not me. Put no confidence in your flesh. Philippians 3, 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those I consider lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, so that I may count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, your most valuable possession. The most valuable thing in your life is your relationship with Christ. If that's true, you could lose everything and still be at peace. You know, I have lost everything. Had a house in Huntington Beach, Westminster, right on the border, uh, on a cul-de-sac with a 
with a volleyball court in the backyard, and I was a youth pastor, and I was living the life, man. Pride cometh before a fall, you know that? Lost it all, ended up living in a car. And I remember I still had peace. I did want God to take me home, (laughs) but I wasn't suicidal. I'm like, oh, man. So I drove to San Bernardino to a bad gang neighborhood and threw my keys on the dash, rolled down my windows, and waited for them to come kill me and take my car. Well, I ended up witnessing to these gang guys and hung out and ended up running a community center out there. God there was teaching me um, to do away with all prejudice and to love everyone as God's kids. And I learned that. I learned because I had prejudice. God had to teach me, no, you can't, you can't have prejudice. So all of a sudden, man, I hate white people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shoot, now I'm prejudiced. Look at him. No, I'm just kidding. I did learn how to rap, though. And I could do a pretty good rap back then. I don't know why I said that. Oh, yeah. Hey, all of this, all the material things, your house, your bank account, your job, you don't get your peace from that. You get your peace from God. You could lose everything and still be okay. God is going to take care of you. He will work this out for the good. Keep your faith in the Lord. we got to hurry. Philippians 3.9. Paul wrote, And may we be found in Him, not having a righteousness of our own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which comes from God the Father on the basis of faith. Philippians 3.12, press on. He said, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but one thing I do, I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ also laid hold of me in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying, even though he was an apostle and wrote more books in the New Testament than any other apostle. By the way, he didn't write more content. Uh, Luke did that. Luke wrote Luke and Acts, and there's actually more words in those two books than all of Paul's writings, which is kind of interesting. And Luke, by the way, was a Gentile, probably a doctor, and he did research to figure out, okay, uh, for probably a senator in the Roman Senate. Uh, So he said, your most excellent Theophilus, that was a, a title of a senator, he said, I have researched everything carefully. I've talked to all the eyewitnesses, and I wrote it out in consecutive order. Interesting, huh? So if you really want to know the order of events when the Gospels don't line up, I guess you have to go to Luke, a Gentile who wrote one of the books of the New Testament, Gentile convert. But Paul wrote Philippians 3.13, I don't regard myself as laying hold of it, But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I press on toward what lies ahead. The upward goal of the call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.16, Paul wrote, However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained, which he means don't backslide. And that's a term Christians use. Man, they've reached this this, this place in spiritual maturity, they're growing, and then all of a sudden they look back and they say, I kind of missed that habit that I know probably wasn't good for me to do, but I'm going to go back and do it. It's kind of like we're walking up 
to the peak, and the peak is finally the rapture or dying and making it to heaven. And we're continually growing and going up, but many Christians get their eyes back and they backtrack. And sometimes they just end up circling, you know. (laughs) They're not going anywhere. Keep pressing on. Maintain the standard of uh, of maturity which you've come to. Philippians 3.17, Paul said, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Live your life in such a way that you can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Are you getting the theme? Love, unity, rejoicing, having the joy of the Lord, having the strength that only God provides. And next week we'll talk more about that and get in depth as we get into Philippians chapter 4. Verse 5 of chapter 4, let your gentle spirit be known to all the Lord is near. I like that. You know, gentleness, meekness, humility, you, you, you put it all together, and a lot of those words were used for a wild stallion back then that you captured and you taught it to be ridden by a rider. You know, when you break a horse, they're like bucking and all that energy is out of control. But when you harness that energy and you get it to where you can contain it and steer it, then it's beautiful. So humility, meekness has the idea of strength under control. You ever heard the term gentle giant? You know, a, a man who could, you know, take us all, you know, but he's this loving teddy bear. I think there's nothing more awesome than that. You know, it's like, wow. God is opposed to the proud, but gives strength to the humble. Folks, Christians, we need to be humble. We need to be gentle and loving in all we do. Chris, come on up. Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to end with that. What does he say here? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. But let your requests be known to God. Cast your cares on me, Jesus said, because I care for you. He said, anything you ask me, oh, I'll be there. I'll be in your midst by my spirit. Don't be anxious for anything, but everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds, your emotions and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Oh, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you his peace this week. And restores my soul, satisfies my need.
Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word. I love the way it comforts me, strengthens and restores my soul, satisfies my need. I love